1: warning. The program you're about to hear is absolutely filthy and thoroughly disgusting. Furthermore, listening to it will immediately turn you into a bottom. Bottom. Hey, everyone. Watch <laughs> me shove this beer can up my ass. I'm proud to declare The Adam Saint Show and his arse Open to the wind. Ass open to the wind. This
2: is fuckery. This is all fuckery. (laughs)
1: Fuckery, fuckery, fuckery. (laughs) Powered by DNR Studios. And now... Give a warm round of applause to my friend and yours, Adam Sank. Oh my goodness, I'm so honored. Thank you. Welcome to the Adam Sank Show. It's me. I'm here. We're not live. But it's a brand new episode. If you're listening in 11 a.m. Eastern, Saturday, May 28th, 2022 at DNR Studios and the DNR Cast app, the only place to hear this fucking podcast throughout the week that it first airs. (laughs) God damn it. If you listen anywhere else because you're too cheap to subscribe, then at least leave your ratings and reviews, especially on Apple Podcasts or whichever audio platform you use. Email me anything you'd like. At Adam at AdamSank.com Like the Adam Sank Show Facebook page And check it regularly You know, the stories that we talk about On this uh, podcast I also post on the Facebook page So if you want to read more about any of them That's where you can do so Get your ass merchandise Including uh, t-shirts, tank tops, mugs, bags Pillows, crack pipes It's all at AdamSank.com And remember you can call the ass hotline Anytime you like Leave us a voicemail We haven't gotten one of those in quite some time And we'd love to hear your voice. So 804-TALK-ASS, get vaccinated and boosted and stand with Ukraine. Our guest today is uh, an author. We haven't had an author on in several years, actually, but I'm excited for her. She is Suzanne Simonetti. Her book is The Sound of Wings, which is not only a great book, but it is a USA Today bestseller. And I have a special connection with Suzanne which I will reveal later in the show, but first it's time to welcome back everyone's favorite chubby chorizo, my adorable co-host Steve Cesaro is here, ladies and gentlemen. Hello. Hello. Steve. Hi.
3: It's so nice to be back, especially with such an acclaimed vocalist, author, author visual artist known as Adam Sank. You do so many things. I'm a visual artist?
1: Yeah, don't you do do your TikToks on the TikToks? They're so bad, and I barely do them. (laughs) I'm so not a visual artist, but thank you. (laughs) Thank you for that. And uh, with us again, as always, is JB Bercy. Hello. Hello, JB. How are you? Awake and with us despite the fact that his alarm did not go off Ooh, t- two weeks and he's <laughs> still weeks. giving you oh I will continue <laughs> to be shaming you about that for some hey. time
2: I mean since at least I was here like
1: I didn't no, you made like it on time I, you know what next time just don't even tell me just don't even it's tell the you? text message okay. that stresses me the fuck out listen <laughs> the dog ate his alarm it's exactly. the dog's fault <laughs> oh wait no it's the cat. cat it's a cat, it's a cat. <laughs> Wim Woo what's her name Yumi Yumi <laughs> You me is like, it's you and me, bitch, you're not going anywhere. Exactly, see? <laughs> you and
3: me, we got
1: this. Right? It's cute. Yeah, JB, we, we learned about JB's new pussy uh, last week, <laughs> and uh, we wish both of them well. Um, if i had a pussy i would rule the fucking world
2: i've been saying this god made a mistake by not making me a woman because he knew i would fuck this world up
1: i would always be pregnant oh my god <laughs> me too i would have like 20 kids by now <laughs> we both went oh we would just have all these little ch-
3: like children running around we wouldn't know who the daddy or the mommy was either <laughs>
1: it's funny because it's true I know. um All right. So we're going to start with a weird question this week. And uh, before you answer the question, I'm going to preface it and explain to you why I'm asking it. So I have a friend who I've known for a long time who's a uh, very acclaimed journalist. He shall remain nameless, and he's never been on this show, so don't try to figure it out. Um, He is currently in Ukraine. He's covering the war in Ukraine uh, for a startup news organization that he uh, is a part of and he sent a mutual friend of ours a video he had taken from inside a gay bar in Ukraine, in the city of Kiev. Wow. And there's, like, go-go boys dancing. And this is from, like, a week ago. This is, like, current, currently going on in Kiev as the, the, the missiles are, are hitting buildings and, and the Russian tanks are rolling in and they're under constant threat. There is a gay bar that men are going to and watching go-go boys and hanging out and drinking and partying. And I thought to myself, on the one hand, like, holy fucking shit. Like, how can they be doing that? And then I thought, wouldn't I be doing exactly the same thing? And so the question is, if you knew the world were ending, (laughs) what would you do? Would you stay home and hunker down with, like, one or two loved ones? Or would you go party your fucking ass off?
3: It's a hard question. The first thing I have to make a small comment is, gotta love gay guys. Like, AIDS crisis, coronavirus, all that stuff happened. Gay guys are like, fuck this shit. Like, I've already like, had shit happen in my life. I'm going to have fun regardless of what's going I on. I kind
1: of feel the same.
3: But also, man, sometimes we're like, don't be so gay. Like, calm down like, for a, a reckless. second. <laughs> exactly. So that's my comment. In terms of what I would do... It's, it's i think it's a mix of the two like the first thing is like i want to see my mom one more time like of i want to see my mom um sure my family and you know like my little brother and my sister but i want to see my mom and then after that probably just get drunk and dance the night away and hopefully we're just dancing and we all die instantly and don't have to suffer but i guess sort of a combo of
1: the two
2: okay so you get
1: closer know to the mic
2: okay so you know me uh it, this is we image of the world, you know I have scenarios. So there's different versions of how I'm going to end the world depending on how the world ends. If zombie apocalypse happens, I'm hunkering down in my apartment. But if we're going to die from a meteor, I am partying my ass off, right? doing all the drugs. Yes. And just going to have fun. It's just Because fuck it. What, what got to lose? Spending all my monies. Say, so IRS, you can't catch me. Stealing everything. I'm doing, I'm, I'm wilding the fuck out. <laughs> like, I'm wilding <laughs> yeah. the fuck out if the earth is going to be destroyed. Like, but if it's like nuclear holocaust or whatnot, I am hunkering down. Like, okay, different different situations.
1: See, I feel like if it's a nuclear holocaust, that's when I am going to the club. Oh my god! You know, like if if a nuclear warhead is headed towards New York City, like I want to be fucking high and dancing and having you know have a dick in my mouth when, <laughs> when, the bo- when when the bomb goes off. But but I was thinking about this, and then I got kind of depressed. Beca- and this is going to really bum out our listeners, but the world is ending. Yeah. Our world is ending like <laughs> climate change is real. It's getting worse and worse every year. It's too late to even try to stop it. And there's no political will to stop it. So the world is going to end at uh, the world as we know it. And then also like democracy is about to end. Yes. Because you have just such intense gerrymandering of uh, congressional districts and, and states and uh, uh, there's, you know, an entire political party that doesn't believe in democracy, that that wants fascism, that wants your vote not to count. I'm talking about the Republicans, of course. Um, and, uh, you know, we have one we have uh, basically one more year of democracy. Once the Republicans take the to control of the House of Representatives, that's it. The January 6th investigation is over. There, There will be no prosecutions. Against any of the traitors, so the world is ending, and I am continuing to party. <laughs> oh, oh, let's not forget women's right to choose, oh, women's yeah. reproductive rights being overturned. I mean, this is all really serious, terrifying shit that's happening. Uh, not to mention the threat of nuclear annihilation by Putin, who's crazy and possibly dying. So uh, yeah, I think I would be like those gay guys in Kiev, and I would be like, might as well go have some fun while we yeah. can,
3: right? Yeah. I was listening to this uh, podcast this morning on the way in, and they had the Republican – I forget what. It's like um, this religious Republican conference, and the pastor was saying, Democrats are the devil. Don't let them into our system, and like screaming. I was listening to it, and in my car, I was actually feeling legitimately scared, like, oh, my God, they're
1: going to come and kill me. No, they're insane. The the uh, gubernatorial candidate in Pennsylvania, the guy yeah. who won the primary, this guy Mastriani, is like full on batshit crazy, you know, religious zealot, uh, election denier, thinks that Trump really won. Yeah. Uh, he's and Pennsylvania is a major state. It's not like being the governor of Idaho. Like Pennsylvania is fucking huge. And the good news, if there is any, is that he probably won't win in the general election because he's too insane. Yeah. For a state like Pennsylvania, but th- the this is this is who's coming to power, and it's not going to be pretty. Um, on that note, I will say uh, <laughs> everybody register to vote. Everybody show up for every election. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it's your local school board. Every election matters. Vote like your life depends on it, because it does. Um, take to the streets, protest, demand your rights, and um, and you know take some time to party too. <laughs>
2: Do some drugs safely, y'all. Exactly. And the, the world is nine.
3: Have your Narcan with you, and then do all the drugs. Thank <laughs> you. I'm just kidding. Listeners, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding.
1: Don't but
2: seriously, try. carry Narcan, because you can save a life. Thank you so
0: much.
1: <laughs> In more depressing news. <laughs> great. <laughs> this is, this is going to be a fun hour. In more depressing news, the, uh, the, kill, the the Australian killer of a gay American man has been sentenced in a murder that was committed in 1988. This hmm. is very disturbing, although, you know, finally justice has been served somewhat. Three decades after uh, Scott Johnson's body was found at the base of some cliffs in Sydney, Australia, Australia his killer has been sentenced to jail. Um, Scott White is the name of the killer. It's confusing because they're both named Scott. He was sentenced to a maximum of 12 years and seven months in jail for the 27-year-old's murder. Um, at the time, the guy who died, his death was ruled as a suicide. Um, the they, police said that he had jumped from the cliff, and this is something his family has never believed. They fought for years for Australian police to investigate the death as a gay hate crime. On Tuesday, a judge... Uh, Tuesday, a couple weeks ago, a judge found there was not enough evidence to establish that it was a gay hate crime, but did uh, sentence the killer, White, to jail for the 1988 killing. White himself was 18 at the time of the murder. He told police that he and Johnson had met at a bar in December of 88. The uh, pair then went out to the North Head Cliffs in Manly. This is a a well-known gay cruising ground. And then according to White, they got into a fight and Johnson fell. But the judge found that uh, White had struck Johnson without provocation, knowing it would most likely cause the man to fall to his death. What's really shocking about this is that for years, this was a place where gay men were routinely murdered. It is now estimated that up to 80 gay men were murdered in this area, many of them pushed off of cliffs. This is a place where homophobes would come, To fuck with gay guys who they knew were there, uh, you know, because it was a cruising ground. So the case, this case was finally reopened and now it's going to lead to a lot of other investigations of people who were probably ruled as accidental or suicidal deaths when in fact that they were murders. Um, It's it's really, really grisly. The police force previously had apologized to the family for not investigating the case the case properly. Um, again, the killer himself was gay, but, uh, very likely a closet case who had some sort of gay panic when he pushed his victim off the cliff. Wow.
3: Gay panic. Can we still say gay panic? Yeah, it's not a <laughs> legit defense. That's I know. That's, I'm like, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. It's i you know what? It was 1988. Things and thoughts have changed, hopefully a little bit somewhere. Although, based on our last topic, maybe things haven't changed as much, um, it's just a depressing story. I'm kind of I
1: like, wah, wah. but like I said, <laughs> at least at least the truth is finally coming out and there's some measure of justice. Um, meanwhile, I, I found this article in the New York Times that really struck me because it was about a man that I had never heard of and someone who really should be hailed as a hero, who is a hero, in um, in the struggle for LGBTQ rights. So in 1972, when I was one year old, Columbus the, sailed the ocean blue. Yes. The American Psychiatric Association had its annual meeting, and suddenly a a man who was wearing a mask, a rubber Nixon mask, and a garish oversized tuxedo and a curly fright wig, entered through the curtains and began a speech by saying, I am a homosexual, I am a psychiatrist. For the next 10 minutes, Henry Anonymous, M.D., which is what he has to be called, described the secret world of gay psychiatrists. At the time, homosexuality was categorized as a mental illness, so acknowledging it would have re- resulted in the revocation of one's medical license. In 42 states at that time, sodomy was still a crime. Um, but this man, you know, wearing this mask and wig and this weird tuxedo said, all of us have something to lose. We may not be under consideration for a professorship. The analyst down the street may stop referring us. His overflow, our supervisor, may ask us to take a leave of absence. Um, We are taking an even bigger risk, however, in not fully living our humanity. This is the greatest loss, our honest humanity. And then the following year, the APA voted to remove homosexuality from the uh, Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. In other words, the, the field of psychiatry declared that homosexuality was not a mental illness at all, and that created a revolution in gay rights because the the argument had against homosexuality, the argument in favor of of laws prohibiting homosexuality or prohibiting sodomy was always that this was sick, that these people were sick. And for the APA, the most influential uh, psychiatric organization in the world, to come out and say, no, this is not an illness, was a, a total um, sea change. The man in the mask was named John Ursel Fryer. He was 34 at the time. And what's even more remarkable about the story is that after the speech, he basically disappeared. He he went on to live a very obscure life. He continued practicing psychiatry. He died in 2003 at the age of 65, but he almost never mentioned that speech or the role that he had played in the declassifying of homosexuality as a mental illness. Um He said, I ran away again. I didn't go to the meetings. It's kind of like I sort of disappeared. It was as if he had said, I I did my thing, and it's over for me. Every now and then, he would tell someone what he had done. Uh, A doctor named Karen Kelly rented a room from Dr. Fryer when she was a medical student, and he told her over dinner sometime in the late 70s that it had happened but never mentioned it again. Dr. Fryer eventually got tenure at Temple University where he built a specialty in bereavement, And helped pioneer the hospice movement, which is another hugely important thing. I mean, this guy was really amazing. Um, But a friend of his says there was always a sense of sadness at not being fully accepted. He always felt like he was on the fringe. You know, even when you're telling that
3: story, I, I feel it. It's sort of like you're doing all these great things. But the mere fact that you're gay, you can't let people know that you're gay you've done all these things you don't really want people to know because then people are going to start prying what's your personal life or what what do you like at home right that's the question people want to know when you start getting some sort of fame and it's just kind of sad because he had so many things to celebrate but no one celebrated until you know later when we can't Tell him how great he was or what a great thing he did for the gay community or even in like bereavement or hospice care.
1: Right. I mean, this guy should have been the grand marshal <clears throat> yeah. of every pride parade. He should have been, you know, given every award. Yeah. But he, um, you know, he kind of did his thing and, and then retreated into into uh, obscurity. To me, the story is about the power of one person yeah. standing up and telling the truth and doing what's right. Yeah. Good for you. Know, good for her. But, good for her. Good for her. It, so w- we yeah. salute you.
3: Yeah.
1: Doctor Fryer, we speak your name. <laughs> you're, you're, you You have not. Your name has not died yet. We're trying to find his it.
3: name. What's? <laughs> I what? was going to say. I just looked. At you did you forget who you were talking what, about for a what second? Did I say his first
1: name was again? Uh, <laughs> 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 oh God! Here we are. <laughs> Henry Anonymous.
3: <laughs> Henry Anonymous. Yeah, Henry Anonymous, M.D. I was can't. actually looking for where the story was on my sheet, too. and I say, uh, <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen,
1: this is the second show of the hour. John, <laughs> Ursell, Fryer. John yeah. Ursell Fryer. John Ursell Fryer is the name we should remember. <laughs> Meanwhile, another story in the New York Times struck me as absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> this was in the New York Times style section, and it's about how women are now doing poppers. <laughs> the article starts with a... An aspiring it girl known as Meg Superstar Princess. And the fact that that's her name makes me want to slap the shit out of her. Uh, She was partying at a club called Rash in the Bushwick section of Brooklyn, which is what we were just talking to Boy Radio about. And she's at the party and someone spilled a bottle of poppers on the dance floor. She said, the whole place fumed up. It was amazing. I feel like at any party I go to, eventually someone's going to pull out the poppers. Several, <laughs> several sources reported spotting poppers being sniffed at a 100 Gex concert. I don't know what that is. At Terminal know. 5 and at a rowdy Fashion Week party at The Blonde and on the sweaty dance floor at Nowadays. I don't know what any of these clubs are. For those unfamiliar, poppers were popularized by gay men during the 1970s for sex and partying. I have two comments. Yes, please.
3: <laughs> first one is, dear listeners, I keep trying to get these news-breaking stories to Adam, and his comment back is, oh, honey, I've already posted it on my page. Well, you need to check the Adam Sanctio <laughs> Facebook page before you send me something. But two, of course, it's some basic white girl that found Popper. She's like, guys, this is my first time seeing this. Yes! And the gays are like, we've been using
1: these for 30 years. And apparently <laughs> the fashion gays are the ones responsible for passing it along to women, and I am not happy about this. No, fashion gays, sit down. Can't we have anything that's just for us? Bears? <laughs> no, women are into bears, too. Oh. Um, anyway, this is a stupid-ass story. I like it. Uh, poppers, as we uh, noted on the episode where we interviewed the uh, the author of the book on poppers, they're nothing new. They've been around since 1867. Um, in the 1920s, amyl nitrate was sold in glass ampules. Which made a popping sound when opened, which spawned the nickname poppers. That I did not know. Selling amyl nitrate has been illegal in the US since 1968, but chemicals called alkyl nitrites are still available for purchase. They produce a similar effect to amyl nitrate when the vipers are when the vapors are inhaled. When the vipers <laughs> are inhaled. Um, the sale of poppers for non-prescribed human consumption is illegal, but many retailers get around this by selling them as a leather cleaner, liquid incense, or nail polish remover. Um, but they're basically on sale in every store in New York City. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a the, lot of poppers. The local corner store. So women, I mean, whatever. It's fine. I actually I, don't like the smell of
3: poppers. Do you like the smell? Yes.
1: Of Ugh. I do. I, just, I associate you know, it with fun things. As a person
3: who suffers with migraines, with the migraines... I can't. Actually, if they're good, like if you pay cash at the Leatherman downtown in the village, you can get really nice poppers that have a nice lingering sort of situation. Why do you have to pay cash? Because they can't sell it. Interesting. Um, I'm on my way. Leatherman, you say? Leatherman. And I have a friend who has mint-scented poppers. Yes, well, there's a
1: company we've Delicious. talked about called Double Scorpio that yeah. makes all kinds of flavored poppers. When I was down in Florida, I bought <clears throat> some that were supposed to smell like leather. Oh. I didn't care for them. I think I like original recipe poppers the best. Um, the nostalgia. Meanwhile, Target, uh, for the last few years, Target has had this like display for Pride, where they sell like rainbow colored T-shirts and mugs. And I love Target bandana. I love Target too. It's Very cheap. I get most of my groceries now that there's one like two blocks from me. But uh, Target kind of fucked up this year with their Pride display because among the items for sale were t-shirts with the inverted pink triangle that said silence equals death. Now, it's a wonderful sentiment. We all know the silence equals death motto that Act Up came up with in the 80s um, as a response to the Uh, the lack of response from medical authorities and politicians to the AIDS crisis. But the problem with this T-shirt is that it's licensed to ACT UP. That that slogan and that that, uh, image of the inverted pink triangle, that belongs to ACT UP. And Target did not ask for permission or pay ACT UP anything to create these T-shirts. So ACT UP is calling on supporters to buy the T-shirt directly from their website Instead of from Target, um, the whole situation seems like an uncharacteristic misstep for Target, which has donated millions of dollars to queer organizations like GLSEN, HRC, Out and Equal, and more, um, releasing its yearly pride collection in the face of constant calls for boycott from dusty homophobes has put them ahead of many of their retail contemporaries in the book. That's from Queerty. Um. So after ACT UP said, hey, what the fuck, Target responded by taking the shirt off its website. Uh, in a statement, the company said, this shirt was designed by our vendor partner, the Fluid Project. Fluid is spelled P-H-L-U-I-D. Fucking gays. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you for saying that, as I was thinking it too. Target, Target, Target claims that the Fluid Project is working directly with ACT UP to address their concerns the item is only available – the item was only available on Target.com, and we've temporarily pulled it from our assortment until the concern is resolved. So, again, Target should get cheers for co- consistently being an LGBTQ-friendly company, supporting LGBTQ causes. And, you know, at least they didn't release a shirt that said, like, faggots die. You know, I mean, <laughs> silence <sequence> equals <laughs> death is an <laughs> important thing for people yeah. to be wearing. But, yes, the money should be going directly to ACT UP. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I actually have a friend of mine that I did a show with, uh, Anything Goes. He, is, he, his husband, and his daughter are like the poster family for the Target campaign. So if you ever see them, like the shirt was probably worn by my friend Ray or his husband. But they're, it's like, they're very multi-cultural. Uh, like the daughter is Indian, Ray is Korean, and the husband is white, uh, Robbie with an eye. Um, but they, <laughs> I know Lane laughs at it too. Um, <laughs> God, I hope he doesn't listen. Sorry, Robbie, if you're listening. R-O-B-B-I? R-O-B-B-I. It pisses Lane off so much. He's Me like, Me too. Why can't he just spell it with B-B-I-E? Robbie with an I. Anyway, so, um, but they are the, po- the poster campaign and have been for the past three years for Target's Pride collection. Do they get money for that? Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Nice. Nice. So, Good you know. for that. Thanks, Target, for helping my friends survive. Meanwhile, if, you're, if you guys are feeling horny lately, it could be due to your oxytocin levels. No. Oh. Tell me more. A new study has found that men who display hypersexual behavior, like people who shall remain nameless who are in the studio, <clears throat> often have elevated levels of the hormone oxytocin.
2: <laughs> that was so perfect.
1: Steve is like, sipping his coffee. Like, how dare you? That is
3: <laughs> my homosexual iced coffee being shaken in the microphone. <laughs> this bitch.
1: Researchers in Sweden looked at 64 men with a clinical diagnosis of hypersexual disorder. And they found that half of the hypersexual participants, um, uh, huh. oh, this, the study discovered that men with hypersexuality had almost twice the levels of oxytocin as the control group. Um, oxytocin is a—it's actually a hormone that women have more of than men. It's key to the reproductive system and plays a role in childbirth and breastfeeding. All humans have the hormone. It is sometimes dubbed as the cuddle hormone oh. or love hormone, and it's boosted when uh, humans experience affection and intimacy. Men also experience a boost in oxytocin from their brains when they ejaculate. Oh. <laughs> Hugging, hand-holding, and touching can boost oxytocin, and so can cuddling your pet dog or cat. You hear that, JB? I do hear that. Petting your pussy Mm -hmm. can increase. And I know I knew this. I've heard this before that when you pet a dog, it increases your level of oxytocin and the dog's level. (gasps) Oh, my cute little chocolate. But that doesn't make me horny. I don't want to fuck my dog. No. you just want to fuck afterwards. It generally makes us feel warm and fuzzy and improves our sense of well-being. But in stressful situations, it can also drive us to seek out societal contacts or fuel flight or fight instincts. The exact impact it can have upon mood is uncertain and depends largely on the situation. Um, the researchers speculated that men may seek out ways to elevate their oxytocin levels to counteract feelings of stress, but they say more research is needed to explore this theory. JB, have you tried to uh, contact our guest?
2: Uh, no, not yet because okay. I have about 10 minutes.
1: She's standing by for the email. Okay. She's very anxious. Um, anyway, so it's interesting. Wow. Well, and uh, one of the researchers says that gay guys experience greater levels of stress than the general population. So it could be that oxytocin might be involved in stress coping mechanisms uh, in the, the gay community. I mean, this makes sense. Yeah. We grow up being bullied and repressed and uh, threatened, and we need to make ourselves feel better. And one way to do it is to... Dick uh... in my butt. Uh-oh. Oh! <laughs> <laughs>
3: Dick in my butt, dick in my butt. Here's the qu- but. Didn't we talk about this before? Like, as I've gotten older, I like sex so much that I don't really care if I come or don't because I'm
1: enjoying the sex.
3: Coming is fun.
1: Well, I think the oxytocin can, can be released even if you don't come. Yeah, I mean, I think just being be, touching someone. Yeah, touch alone um, can can ha- make a difference. So we're gonna get our poppers.
3: We're gonna get our friend Megan Princey Pussy Pop. And uh, make ourselves comfortable. Actually, <laughs>
1: Princess Pussy Puff. <laughs> Meanwhile, um, this is a story I wanted to do last week. We ran out of time. So, Scott Adams is the cartoonist behind Dilbert, the long-running comic strip Dilbert. And I didn't—I didn't know this, but he's apparently like a far-right Trump-supporting asshole. I hate when creative people turn out to be conservatives. It just seems so wrong. It's like. Do you understand that, like, part of, of the right wing movement is to suppress all creativity?
3: Well, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking he's an artist because he's suppressing all that shit that he doesn't want to or is afraid to let out. So he puts it out in his art. So now, how artists created things that you can't talk about are put in your artistic, probably, ejaculate. If
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, Scott Adams tried to mock <clears throat> both trans people and also just wokeness in general in um, his late one of his latest comic strips in which he introduced a new character named Dave. Dave is the first black character ever uh, introduced in the Dilbert strip. And so in the comic strip, uh, they're at a meeting at work and someone says, um, you know, I, I don't have it in front of me, but it's something along the lines of like, in an attempt to increase diversity, I want you all to meet Dave. And then Dave responds by saying, I identify as white. Oh, it's cringy. So it's cringy. It's not funny. It's offensive. But here's what's really, really stupid about it on the weekends, comic strips are in color. But during the week, <laughs> they're in black and white. And this strip came out during the week. And there's no way to see that Dave is black. And, oh God! And he's never, it, no one in the comic strip ever says he's black, so it looks just like a white guy saying hey, I identify as white. So the <laughs> so, the joke did not land. Where's the? <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Comic strip artists will <laughs> often use shading to indicate differences in color instead of relying on actual color, but Adams apparently didn't even think to do that. Um. He's accused gay people of wanting to touch our kids while responding to uh, Pete Buttigieg's response to the Florida Don't Say Gay Law. He's a horrible piece of shit. Mm-hmm. And his comic strip was a failure. Uh, meanwhile, Grinder has gone public or is going public. Uh, Grinder announced that it's going to uh, float its shares on the open stock market. It, in a press release where it described itself as the number one social network for the LGBTQ plus community, Grindr said it was merging with Singapore-based Singapore investment company Tiga Acquisition Corps, or TAC. The combined company will be called Grindr, Inc. Very clever. Mm-hmm. And TAC will help Grinder raise funds uh, to go public. A uh, Grindr CEO said, Grindr's well-positioned to be a public company and will continue to expand the ways it serves the LGBTQ plus community. Um, I have to say, I I think this is good investment. (laughs) You know, Grindr's been around since 2009. The fact that it is still as popular as it is for a hookup app, I mean, you think about apps and their popularity. It's like Snapchat was huge for a moment and And now it's gone, right? They don't tend to have a long shelf life, but Grindr seems to have uh, staying value.
3: Here's what, but it's not, in my opinion. Grindr is a horrible app, and it has you know, the spam bots that are on there. It, you, they keep changing their platform so you have to pay more and more and more just for basic user functions.
1: I hate Grindr. Somebody's done the research, I, I've heard. I've heard. I've allegedly heard. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think it's terrible too, but I also don't pay for it. I I get the free version where there's a pop up ad every 10 seconds.
3: Wasn't there a version, or wasn't there a moment where Grindr was also then selling to like, oh, they did get bought out by a Chinese company that
1: was selling user information, right? Yeah, there's been a lot of controversies about it. I mean, listen, it's not healthy. Nobody should be on Grindr or any of those sex hookup apps because they just like turn people into commodities. But what are you going to do? I'm just chasing my oxytocin. That's all I'm chasing. I think so.
2: Uh, okay. I'm a little iffy on some sound settings, but I'll work on the fly.
1: Okay. Meanwhile, this is the last story we'll do before we get to our interview. Um, a Reddit user has shared his mother's secret coffee cake recipe <laughs> in a uh, in, in, in an act of vengeance against her because she's apparently a racist and a homophobe. <laughs> The anonymous hero got back at a bigoted baker in the family by sharing her secret recipe on Facebook. Uh, he wrote, he or she wrote, "My mom is racist and homophobic, so I am spite sharing her secret family coffee cake recipe." <laughs> uh, the the post has thousands of upvotes. Um, for all of you sugar fiends out there, or anyone who just wants to stick to that, stick it to that miserable mom. Here is the recipe. Save it while it's still online. I'm not going to read to you uh, all of the steps involved. It's a pretty basic fucking recipe. I mean, I can't imagine this is too much of a secret. But basically, you need two cups of scalded whipping cream, a fourth of a cup butter, two cups sugar, one and a half cups bottled water, one teaspoon saffron, four tablespoons sugar, four tablespoons flour, one cup cold water, five to six cakes of yeast, six eggs separated, 10 cups flour, Fourth of a teaspoon salt, fourth of a teaspoon nutmeg, two sticks of butter softened, two cups of sugar, two cups of flour, two eggs. I don't know why it's repeating some of the ingredients. Yeah. Why is this it seems a massive coffee cake? Very heavy and <laughs> sweet and sugary. And also, like, who really wants coffee cake?
3: Here's the thing: Is the coffee cake good? Because you can imagine I'm sharing my mom's
1: horrible coffee cake just because I hate her. So you could all know how horrible this piece of shit is. But I would really also is someone going to tell the mom if she doesn't know? Then you know, what difference does it make?
3: You know that's true.
2: That's very true.
1: Our guest Mm -hmm. today is an author who knocked it out of the park with her first book, The Sound of Wings, which was released one year ago and has gone on to be a USA Today best-selling novel. She also happens to be the sister of my BFF, Scott Hernandez. So please give Mm -hmm. a warm-ass welcome to Suzanne Simonetti. Suzanne.
0: Suzanne. Adam, I'm so glad to be here with you today. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It is my
1: pleasure. Thank you for joining us all the way from Cape May, New Jersey. Uh, it's, right. go, it's going up to 90 degrees here today. What's it like in Cape May?
0: It's about 80, and uh, I love how we didn't get a spring, and we're going from, uh, you know, a crappy spring to summer. And this is the really riveting part of the show where I gripe about the weather.
1: Yeah, well, it's important. <laughs> it's, it's important to everyone. Yeah, right. uh, Suzanne, yeah. congratulations on the massive success of the book as i said it's Adam, a usa today bestseller did you
0: have any inkling
1: when you sat down to write your first novel that it would be this successful
0: no i did not no i did not um i really when you no you're sitting down to write a book it's all about the story you, you know at, at that point i wasn't envisioning what was going to happen with the book i was just in it with the characters and uh living it living the, their lives and and, um, experiences and then once i landed the publisher and we started making arrangements then i you know kind of started forecasting what would
1: happen with the book now yeah. when did you actually start it like when did you first sit down and start
0: writing about these women i love this question because it was right after i had bought purchased my house here in cape may new jersey and uh i was pitching another manuscript and uh, it wasn't going anywhere you know i wasn't getting any bites and I was so inspired by the surroundings and the beach and the people here. I mean, we have artisans and musicians and just so many talented people. And it was one summer, I was, I was that first summer, I was walking the beach and a character came to me and it was Crystal Axelrod, beautiful, buxom blonde, you know, someone who looks exactly nothing like me. Right. And um, she was the born and bred local and it, and it took off from there. And I saw this woman, you know, around my age, mid forties. Happily married, no kids, but there was something missing deep inside. And I said, "We're going to take Crystal on a journey," and we did.
1: When you say you saw her, you mean in your mind? You didn't actually see a woman that
0: I saw inspired her in you. my mind, Adam. Yeah. I felt her. Yeah, exactly.
1: And so, yeah. what year was that that you started uh, the Sound of Wings?
0: Uh, well, 2015. Now, yeah. and uh, so I, it took me about a year to to bang out the manuscript, and I sent it to my mentor. And, uh, you know, she red penned it to death and then it took me about another four months before we cleaned it up. I had it edited, you know, for the grammar and all that good stuff. And I started pitching and it took another year before I landed an agent for the book. And this is a long story. Another year that agent was unable to sell the manuscript. So this is just, it's, you know, almost every writer you talk to is going to have a story like this where it's like, just takes years. Yeah, it's an ordeal. And, uh, I finally found the, yeah, it takes a long time. I, but I finally found a hybrid press. I signed with them in 2019. And she said, well, you're not going to be printed until 2021, so if, if that's a deal-breaker. And I said, I can live with that. And it's funny because I look back and say, I'm lucky that it didn't come out in 2020 because that would have been a real kick in the teeth.
1: Yeah, right. You know? Yeah, because you wouldn't <laughs> yeah. have been able to like tour or, or no. do any kind of – Oh, uh... it would
0: have been horrible. May 2020 or just would have been awful. <laughs> yeah.
1: The book. <laughs> the book has three main characters. You mentioned Crystal – there's also Jocelyn and Goldie what was your process as far as figuring out who these characters are what their backstories
0: are and and how their their stories would unfold i wanted to take three women and i wanted them to come from different schools if you will because i wanted to show that women can have friendships uh, that maybe they're you know of people who are different and older, different ages, or different generations. Goldie is older and she's the enigmatic one. She's kind of quirky and our throwback hippie, you know, from the 60s. And she's single and she's living in a Victorian with all these animals. I love dogs, as you know, and I love um, African gray parrots and cats. I just love them. So I stuck her with a bunch of animals. Um, who are all characters in the book. And then Jocelyn was fun to write because she's the writer. And I was like, well, I need a little bit of an outlet here. And, you know, there's so much to say about the writing process. And it was kind of fun to, to throw my experience in through Jocelyn's eyes. Yeah, I assume that Jocelyn was at least
1: somewhat based on you, uh, minus the custody battle.
0: Well, that's for sure. That's for sure, yeah. You know, I don't have kids, and I I never had any that kind of experience. Um, And I'll say this, Adam, none of the book is autobiographical, but there for sure is a piece of me in each of the characters.
1: Are they based on other people that you've met as well? Like, is
0: there a Goldie in your life? Not particularly. Um, I think when I was... Writing, starting to write Goldie, I was picturing like a Meryl Streep character. So maybe in my mind, I was picturing the actress and how she would be in her mannerisms. But no, there's nobody in my life like Goldie. But I, man, I wish there was because I want a friend like that. Yeah, she's a great character. It, it occurred to me as I was reading the book that while
1: this is a story about women, you have no female villains, at least as as far as the main characters go. There's some minor characters who are kind of cunty. But, but these women... Yeah are all really supportive of one another they are. and you really they root are. for all three of them. Was that an intentional choice on your part, not to make any of them, a, 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 you know, a, the the classic bitch, the, the villain? Yes, character? Adam, and
0: that's another great question because I believe the big antagonist in the story is kind of ties into the theme and that is releasing the ghosts of the past. They're all carrying this burden of the past. You know, Jocelyn's insecure about her writing. Uh, Crystal's got the you know the memory of her her dead parents who were just mean to her and the and the mean girl culture she experienced in high school. And then Goldie, of course, with her uh, dead husband Simon. So it's it's all about releasing the, the ghosts of the past, which I would imagine is really the big antagonist in the story. So it's another great question. And yeah. some of the men as well are are pretty terrible. You know, Simon was. Yeah, he was awful. That was Goldie's husband. And that's funny because I'm glad you said that. I've gotten criticized uh, by saying that I made I painted the men as perfect, that Abe was perfect and Bruce was uh, was perfect, and I totally disagree on that. I think that Abe did a couple things behind Crystal's back because he was trying to make everything perfect for her, and I don't, I don't see that as a good thing. And uh, Jocelyn babied Bruce. You know, she kind of infantilized him. So the men in my eyes were certainly not perfect. They were they were supportive and loving, but just like anybody, they were flawed.
1: Right. The book yeah. is set in Cape May, where you live. Uh for Cape those is. of you who don't know Cape May, it's it's at the southernmost tip of New Jersey. It's actually exit yeah. zero uh on, right. on the what is it, the parkway?
0: Yeah, it's actually the Garden State Parkway ends and it turns into 109. I'm right around the corner from the U.S. Coast Guard base. I'm also on the same latitude as Washington, D.C. We're that far south.
1: Yeah, it's way down there. I, I've been there it several is. times to perform. Yep. And uh, it is a hike. It is not easy to get to. But the mm-hmm. book is obviously a, a love letter to Cape May. Um, what What is it about Kate May that, that is so special to you?
0: It's enchanting to see these Victorian homes sitting blocks from the beach. In 1976, Cape May was uh, preserved as a historic district, and it will stay that way. And so there is not going to be any demolition of these beautiful homes. They are going to stay and and keep that charm in the 1900s, 1800s. Um, Yeah, it's just beautiful. I liken it to Savannah a little bit. It, it kind of reminds me of savannah i don't know if you've ever been there i haven't but i've always wanted
1: to go but yeah it's that yeah. sort of like the preservation of of the of the beautiful past that's right and so the whole city is kind of like this incredible museum
0: It really is. And it's charming. Um, Last summer, well, the summer before they put up the Harriet Tubman Museum, the end of the Underground Railroad was here in Cape May. So as a tribute to Harriet Tubman, they, yeah, we've got a museum up. And Joe and I, of course, donated. We've got our name on one of the bricks that are leading to the, you know, going to the path. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, cool.
1: So butterflies are a recurring motif in the novel. That's where the title comes from, The Sound of Wings. Are you a big butterfly freak?
0: Not a freak. You know, it's so funny uh, because I started with the garden. I wanted to connect Goldie and her late father-in-law, Patrick, with a garden. And and I'm not a gardener, Adam. So I had to do a lot of research on that. And as I was doing the research, I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. If I put different plants in here, it'll attract butterflies. And then it hit me. I said, oh man, I'll make it a butterfly garden. So that's where it came from. And then One thing leads to another. You know, when you take the butterfly, it all represents transformation. It's just all about, you know, the caterpillar um, becoming the butterfly, you know, and and all the women kind of go through that in the story in their own way. Yeah, it's also a big part of Silence of the Lambs. (laughs) Oh, that was a moth. That was a moth. By the way, I love that movie so much. I'm a wacko because when I watch it, I laugh the whole time. It's a fantastic movie. It's so funny. I just love uh, Dr. Lecter. Oh god,
1: I Great love. Character. So they're so funny. All of them are so funny. I like the books too. Um one of the review quotes on your book jacket came from Patty Davis, uh, the daughter I of did. Ronald yep. Reagan. I know she's a close yep. friend of yours. How did that she friendship is. come to be?
0: It's interesting. I connected with Patty on Facebook. My mentor Caroline Levitt, who is the New York Times bestselling author, uh, was also connected to Patty and We just started getting close. I mean, I literally, right before the podcast, Patty was the last person I just texted. So um, she also, this is important to know, but it was through Facebook, Adam, to answer your question. It was through Facebook. And uh, she came over, I think it was in 2018, from Santa Monica. She was coming to New York City, and I met her for dinner, and it was just a great experience. And I sent her the manuscript, you know, so she could give me the blurb, but... More important to know is Patty titled the book. I, I the original title of the book was the Butterfly Garden, and the publisher said, "Yeah, we got to change that. There's there's a book out there that's um, pretty doing pretty well, and we don't want to we don't want to step on toes." And I oh, there's a, there Patty was
1: another correct. book with that same title, The Butterfly Garden.
0: Correct. Uh uh-huh. Correct. Yeah. So, And Patty said, give me a day to think about it. I'm pretty good at this. And the next day, she emailed me and said, how about the sound of wings? And I almost fell off my chair. I said, damn, that's good. You are good. And it's such a stronger title. Just so is. Amazing.
1: Well, please tell her that I'm a huge fan of hers and her brother, Ron Reagan Jr. And uh, if she would ever like to come on the podcast, we would love to have her.
0: Oh, gosh. I'll tell her right now. Oh, thank
1: you. Please do. So when does yeah. uh, the movie version come out?
0: So I want to tell you something, and not a lot of people know this. I was – no, i will got to go back. In November, the audio rights to The Sound of Wings was bought by Blackstone Publishing. I sold the rights to them. So that the is. audio book came out in April, yeah. But they have a scout on their team, and he works with a few producers, and he was shopping the book. And he hit me with a shopping agreement about a month ago. And he said, "I've got Shirley McLean on the line. <gasps> what do you think?" Yeah, but you know, in in thinking about it, and I sent the contract to my attorneys. Um, I wasn't happy with it. I wanted more, and he couldn't give me more. And more money? I'm, there wasn't any money. There was no money involved because it was it wasn't. He wasn't optioning the book. He was just a shopping agreement. So it was going to take six months to find the script writer. And, and it was going to take um, another, I think, year. I would have tied up the book for essentially a year and a half. And I, I tell you, Adam, I don't know that I'm ready to give complete creative control over. I just don't think I am. So I think that I want to write the the screenplay for this. Wow. Yeah. Have you written yeah. screenplays before? I have not. But I downloaded Final Draft, and I, <laughs> I got about one-third of it written. I really need to get back to it. But... Uh they're so cool because you can just, you know, you can just look this stuff up online and you can read all different screenplays. Like I ended up reading the one for Bridesmaids because I love that movie. It makes me laugh. And I, I was supposed to be working and I spent 45 minutes reading the screenplay for Bridesmaids just cracking up, <laughs> you know.
1: That's a, such a yeah, good but script. I'm,
0: I'm, yeah, I mean, but so I, fantastic. in
1: reading your book, I mean, your book is so filmic. You know, I could see... Everything happening in my mind, I could see the characters, I could picture the settings. So uh, I, I, I think, I believe you can adapt it beautifully, and um, and, and if and who would your dream cast be? You mentioned Meryl Streep for Goldie.
0: I mer- men- Meryl Streep, and then uh, because you're Anne aiming Hathaway. you're
1: aiming low for your first film,
0: uh, right. Yeah, <laughs> Anne, right? Meryl Streep. I know, seriously, Meryl Streep. Meryl um, Streep. Anne Hathaway for Jocelyn. Now Anne Hathaway's parents own a house just about three blocks away from us Fabulous. Yep. they're down yeah yeah they do and so she's part of Kate man and it would be so cool to have her and then well for crystal i was thinking of scarlett johansson i was
1: just gonna say scarlett johansson
0: yes perfect she's
1: gorgeous she's beautiful and she's fantastically talented and she's got the boobies she's got the boobs
0: <laughs> yep the boobage
1: so have you started working – I know you mentioned the screenplay. Have you started working on another book yet?
0: Yeah, I'm further behind than I should be. But, yes, this, this summer I plan on really putting my energy into that. And it's not going to be a sequel per se, but I am taking Jocelyn and Crystal, and it's going to be 10 years in the future. And uh, so we're going to get to see how Crystal's op- business operations has expanded and Jocelyn and Bruce have had a little girl named Penelope. So we're gonna get to see her all this drama with that. And Billy is now a teenager.
1: Fabulous. So, I can't wait to read yep. it. Yep,
0: and Abe is retired and driving Crystal crazy at home. So that's gonna be fun. <laughs> Love
1: it. Well, it Suzanne, I know that you were worried that we were gonna ask you all sorts of obscene questions about penises <laughs> and so forth. Yep. Uh we are yep. not going to, but we will play everyone's favorite at home quiz show, Ask Me No Questions. Ask me, no Ask me no questions. Yeah. What was your favorite book as a child?
0: Um, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Oh,
1: yeah. Judy Bloom. Yeah. I yeah. loved all of the Judy Bloom books. Steve, what was your favorite that. book as a child? I actually hated reading when I was a kid. I loved just sitting on my bed
3: and listening to music and reading, like the cassette tapes oh. you'd fold out the lyrics. You don't have I mean, a
1: single favorite book? No. JB. <laughs>
2: okay so there was this book it was like a magical series you know me it's called it's the first book was called lord Lost. i don't remember the whole series in general but there were like seven books altogether, and that was like my harry
1: potter series cute nice. yeah. my favorite was nice. from the mixed up files of mrs basil e frankweiler Aww. which is a great cool. book about two oh, kids who fun. who run away from home and and live in the metropolitan museum um oh how cool is that oh god i love that suzanne you run a highly popular facebook group for schnauzer owners even though you don't own a schnauzer i don't
0: what
1: what is the most common reason you have for kicking someone out of that group
0: (laughs) oh selling puppies they're not allowed to sell puppies damn it
1: (laughs) it's so funny to me tell people how many use how many people are in that group
0: oh my god i think it's over 80,000 but we when I joined the oh admin <laughs> it was like 3,000 and Justin told Scott oh it's because of your sister it blew up it blew up and yeah. I'm like
1: Aw. I mean it's yeah. got to be the most popular schnauzer group in the world and and it, the it, person it, who runs it does not have a schnauzer
0: I don't it's so silly and admittedly I did just tell Scott I need to back off a little bit because I it's got to be 12 All the day I'm I'm removing people and getting reports, and I said, "Okay, this is turning into a part-time job. This is getting a little silly." I like. I I really do have to write another book. I cannot be monitoring this book. I would would
1: hand over the ownership. For full disclosure, Scott and his ex Justin do both own Schnauzers, which is how uh, Susanna originally got involved.
0: I know it's so funny, and they'll say to me, "There are a couple of the um, members will say." oh, you know, can I see pictures of yours? And I'm like, oh, just go away. <laughs> just don't ask me for credentials, okay? I run the group. That's all you need to know.
3: <laughs> just Google a, a random photo and say, okay. yeah, this is my schnauzer.
0: <laughs> all right.
3: All right, okay. Suzanne, who is your celebrity
0: crush? Oh, God. Uh, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to get in so much trouble, but right now Johnny Depp, and I know he's on top of Oh, my God, he's so cute. I know.
1: He's I know. a That's fucking not saying-
0: nightmare. Oh my God, he's so good, but the looks—I think his, he looks like my husband. The big, the big dark eyes. Good and the for you.
1: Towel. Yeah. Yeah. Well, have yeah, you ever, have you ever left a turd in your husband's
0: bed when you were angry at him? <laughs> I can't even imagine doing that. It just—that is so foul. I mean, it's gross. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag you know, Amber turd. Like, what is she doing? That's disgusting.
1: I think they're both insane. Um,
0: no, but... they are insane. That's why I, I was reticent to even mention him. But oh, he's hot.
1: What's a life lesson you wish you had learned when you were younger?
0: <sighs> well, that daydreaming was okay. That that I could I could stare out the window and, and do something with that eventually. You know, channel that into writing stories. Yeah, uh, you know, because I never felt good enough. Interesting.
1: So, in other words, there's no such thing as wasted time.
0: I don't believe so. No. No, and I, I'm a daydreamer. I even even to this day, I'm I'm a big daydreamer. And but I have a wild imagination, you know. But that has served me well in my writing. Yeah, clearly. What is your signature dish? Oh, I okay. We love fish, and I make homemade pesto. And mm. I will make. I'll spread the pesto over the the salmon, and it's fantastic. It's really good. And I'll do that with steamed asparagus and lemon. Yeah.
1: Hmm, maybe next up is a uh, Suzanne Simonetti cookbook.
0: You know it's so fun. I'm so glad you're bringing this up because Jocelyn does a little bit of cooking in in the story yes. and I've actually got book clubbers saying to me, "Are we going to get a recipe book?" and I'm like, "Yep, you are. You sure are. It's going to be fun." And I'm also going to be doing recipe uh like cards. So for cocktails and mocktails, I don't want to leave out our, you know, our friends who don't drink. Um I'm going to be doing that as well.
1: Okay, why do you have multiple photos of George and Barbara Bush in your Facebook albums?
0: I do? <laughs> yes. I was going through your pictures. It must have been when Barbara Bush died. I didn't realize there were multiple pictures. I got to check that I out. I was like,
1: what is Suzanne's relationship with the Bush family? I know she's friends be, with Patty it Davis.
0: When, it must have been when she died. and uh, cause she wasn't. I liked Barbara Bush.
1: She was a good lady. A
0: woman. She was. I think she was a good first lady. I really do. Uh, but that's weird if that's coming up for you. i got to look at that.
1: Uh, yeah, believe me, I was studying you carefully before having uh, you on the show. Yeah. Um, how lucky is your brother to have me as a best friend?
0: You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something, and it's going to be serious. Okay. Because this is the truth. I want to say that I feel comforted to know that Scott has you. I feel that he has somebody that's an older, wiser person who keeps him grounded, and you have. And I really want to say I appreciate that. I feel like you're an anchor for him in many ways. And Thank you so, so much. Even, it, it, and I really mean that, Adam, and it comes from my heart, and it really is the truth. I appreciate that, even though you just
1: called me older. Uh, I was going to say are, the shade oh, in there is older. God. That is baby. <laughs> I certainly am. No, I do think of him as a uh, as a little brother and yeah. he is a wonderful friend. As you know, he's a he's a wonderful support system for all the people in his life. So it's a, it's a mutually beneficial he's generous friendship. and
0: loving. Yeah, yeah. He's generous and very loving.
1: Yeah. He's a sweetie and you're a sweetie and I thank you so much for being on the show. The Sound of Wings available for sale and download everywhere books are sold. Look for the movie. At some point in the future, as well as the sequel, um, how can people best follow
0: you online, Suzanne? Going to my website and subscribing, and it's just my first and last name. So it's Suzanne Simonetti, S U Z A N N E S I M O N E T T I dot com.
1: Wonderful. Thank you so much for being here for being on the show. And uh, next time you're in New York, we'll have to have you in the studio.
0: I'd love that, Adam. And ask you all
1: sorts of penis questions.
0: Yeah, please do. I want that.
1: Come on. <laughs> All right, sweetie. Talk to you soon.
0: Talk to you soon, Adam.
1: Thank S- you. Steve and JB, please plug yourselves.
3: Steve Cesaro medina on
1: Facebook uh-huh. and on Instagram. Uh, that's not the closing Anarchy. music, 12. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, Instagram. I really want Where's that music, JB? It's, uh, it's too long here. Stocking Anarchy 12 is how you follow JB. Thank you both so much. We are back again live next week with master impressionist Rachel Gutera, Subscribe to this podcast at dnrstudios.com. Don't forget to order your ass merch at adamsank.com. Follow me, me, on Twitter and Insta at adamsank and on TikTok where I barely ever post at official. Email me your dick pics at adam at adamsank.com. Have a great week, bitches. Bye. Bye.